Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, <laughs> presented by Progressive Insurance. The unsportsmanlike crew in for Greeny. Smalls is underneath the desk, basically over there. Cece, Evan Cohen, with you. She, she can't. Cece, look. She can't. Do it. She's on the struggle up. bus right she's now. On the, what is happening to you? We, we got to figure something out. I can stand, and I'm Cece's height. There we go. As he is sitting. There so. we go. Something wow. like that. We we'll go. make it work. She's going to figure it out. Oh, go. my God. That you is know cool. who couldn't figure it out last night? The Green Bay Packers. Oh, there I know your transitions. I know that. They could they not figure it out last out. night. No. As the Detroit Lions just annihilate them, 34-20. Jared Goff did his job. I know he had the early interception last night, but he absolutely did his job. 19-28, 210, a touchdown and a pick. David Montgomery in that running game was awesome. 32-121 and three touchdowns, two catches. And you look at this Lions team right now, and you have to look at them as the obvious favorites in the NFC North. You have to look at them as a tough, nasty football team. But I think also, CeCe, you have to look at them as a top three potential team in the NFC and they may be just behind Philadelphia and San Francisco and possibly dare I say sorry Bubba just ahead of the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> no I think there's a conversation about who the third best team in the NFC is I mean listen if the Dallas Cowboys could lose to the Arizona Cardinals they can lose to damn near anybody in football and what we've seen from this Lions squad is that they can go on the road in tough environments and find ways to win football games. And usually the way they do it is behind a strong run game, their quarterback playing relatively mistake-free football, and a defense that can pressure the passer once the score gets out of hand. If you can stop the run, if you can rush the quarterback, and if you can run the football, you're going to win a lot of games in this league. And about the best thing that Jared Goff does is not make mistakes and we routinely see the self-inflicting wounds from the Dallas Cowboys at the most inopportune times which has been their undoing when they matched up the last two postseasons against the San Francisco 49ers the Lions don't do that now I'm not saying that the Lions are a more talented team than the Dallas Cowboys I'm not saying that Jared Goff is a more talented quarterback than Dak Prescott but a big part of being able to win football games in the National Football League is making sure that you don't do the things that cause you to lose games. And right now, based on the identity that we've seen from the Detroit Lions over the last 10 to 12 games, that's not something that they do. Yeah, from a personnel standpoint, if we're talking about the Cowboys and the Lions tied for third, if you were just to look at the roster, you would say the Cowboys are better. But if you get out on the field, if I asked you which team you trust more, you'd probably say the Detroit Lions. And that says something, especially this early in the season. Yeah, and i got to own this because as as a sports fan and as a member of the media, I fell into the trap talking about Dan Campbell with the biting the kneecaps. And he's like, he's your high school. And I'm not saying this in an insulting way. He's your high school gym teacher slash high school football coach. That I'm like, oh, this guy fits at my high school. That'll be great. Yeah, I know he played football, but he's not talking X's and O's. And I believe that he totally did that as a front. And he's leaning into, oh, everyone thinks I'm dumb. Everyone thinks I'm a meathead. Good. Let them overlook us. Let them overlook me. And what they've done is they built a really good football team here. Their general manager, Brad Holmes, as well as, as what we've seen here with Dan Campbell, I'm impressed with how they've built themselves. They have a big, nasty offensive line. They have a quarterback that is actually has actually gone from insanely overrated to maybe insanely underrated. Jared Goff, number one overall pick in the draft for the Rams, gets them to a Super Bowl as their starting quarterback. I know it was their defense first. In the Super Bowl, they were a disaster. I believe 13-3, they lose to the Pats that year. And then they go on and they move on from him. And think about moving on from him. The Rams paid a first-round pick to get Matt Stafford 
and a first-round pick to get off of Jared Goff, right? That was part of that yeah. deal. It, they never defined it that way, but we all knew what was up with that with the two first-rounders going to Detroit in that scenario in them bleep-them picks thing mm-hmm. that, that the, the Rams have talked about. Yep. And now you have Goff who's like, okay, cool. You want to give me all these weapons? I'll get them the, the football. You want to give me Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive side? I'll let him rush the passer. Give Jared Goff a lot of credit here. Yeah, we got to give him his flowers. Now, he didn't cover himself in glory on that first series where he threw the pick to Rudy Ford, but he was able to bounce back and lead a seven-play touchdown drive for the length of the field. And this has been a guy over the last two years that's top five in QBR. Not that QBR is the end-all, be-all, but just listen to the names that were in front of Jared Goff. Tua, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Pat Mahomes. Mm. That, that's the list. Pretty good list. Pretty good list. I mean, it, oh, I'm sorry, Josh Allen. Excuse me. So that, those are the those are the guys. So I mean, that that's the company that Jared Goff is keeping. So why why would we sit here and think that this is not a guy that's capable of not only leading the Lions to a division title, but also leading them on a deep playoff run, especially considering how top-heavy the NFC is? He's been there before, so I don't know why we wouldn't think that he could get it done with this team. He's it's in his system. Because everybody writes him off. Because he's part of the F them picks strategy and because the Rams were so desperate to move on from him and didn't think he was going to be the guy. But he still did it. He still got them to a Super Bowl. He still has been effective enough to be a guy that's not going to lose you games. And when we talk about them being tied with the Dallas Cowboys for the third best team in the NFC, Dak has shown that he is a guy that you can't trust in those moments. Let's take a listen to what Jared Goff had to say post game about winning in Green Bay after, oh, by the way, winning in Kansas City to start this season. Yeah, send us anywhere. Send us anywhere. We'll be, we'll be ready, and uh, that's the way we're built. And he has a right to say that. I mean, those are as t- two of as great of a wins you're going to have early on in a season in terms of location. If we were to say, let's make every single team, all 32 teams in the NFL, equal talent across the board, right? So everybody, CC has the exact same roster, so to speak. And I were to say two toughest places to play or toughest place to play. You would sit here if you're going to think it out and talk it out on the air. I guarantee you Green Bay and Kansas City would come up. Maybe yeah, Philadelphia would be ahead of them, but those are two of the toughest places to play, and he won both of those places. No doubt about it, and they've taken a stranglehold on the NFC North, so if they do finish the drill and win the division, guess what? They're hosting a home playoff game. Do we think the Dallas Cowboys are going to do that, knowing that they're in the same division as the Philadelphia Eagles? No. Eight ball says doubtful. So, I mean, again, I understand the branding of the Dallas Cowboys. I used to play for the Cowboys. I get how that machine works and all the hype and the attention on that team because of the public interest. But this is a good Detroit Lions football team. Think about this, guys. They were 1-6 going into Week 9 last year against the Green Bay Packers. And this team was able to win, what is it, eight out of their final ten games in order to finish with a winning record. But in that time, from then until now, you're talking about a team that is third when it comes to turnover differential, and they're tied with the Dallas Cowboys. You're talking about a team that has a plus 25 sack differential, and the Dallas Cowboys, for context, has a plus 15 sack differential. We know how dynamic the Dallas Cowboys defense is. We don't ever look at the Detroit Lions defense as being nearly as disruptive, but I'm telling you that they are trending in that direction. Again, nobody is saying that from a talent standpoint, the Dallas Cowboys are inferior to the Detroit Lions. I'm not sitting there saying that Jared Goff is better than Dak Prescott. What I am saying is this Detroit Lions team makes themselves hard to beat because they're fundamentally sound. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't get penalized a lot, and and, and they play 
with a doggedness and a level of physicality that plays well once we get to the playoffs. They're going to win the toughness battle that we always talk about. No doubt about it. Now, this could be a sliding scale as the season goes on, but the Detroit Lions last season were a team that was up and coming, that we thought maybe they're a year away from being a playoff team. Heading into this, this season, the conversation was they could win the division, be a playoff team. Are we ready to move them from that to a team that we think could advance in the playoffs, that we have different expectations for them? Early sample size. Yes, you're already there. Well, I mean, how can you not be after some of their wins that they've had this season already? And I understand Green Bay is not the same Green Bay, at least in terms of personnel, that they've been in years past. They're going to be the same record-wise, basically, as they were last year, I mm-hmm. think, hovering around that same spot. But basically what you're asking, Smalls, is do you think a division winner in the NFL can win a playoff game? Well, our expectation should be yes. Now, not every single division winner is going to win a playoff game, but the reality is the Detroit Lions right now, if I'm a fan of that team, it's a major disappointment if we don't win the NFC North. That would be my mentality. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio. You can be a part of the Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen. We are the Unsportsmanlike crew. Normally, you can hear us 6A to 10A Eastern time here on ESPN Radio. The flip side of that, in for Greeny today, the flip side of that, is the Packers were a little bit messy last night, and their head coach, Matt LaFleur, to say the least, uh, not thrilled with his team's performance. What do you think happens when you have to cause a first half like that, where you just you couldn't get? I mean, you saw it, Pete. I mean, we got our ass kicked. If I knew, it wouldn't have happened. Matt, they didn't blitz until... Uh, that, that's a BS question, man. Mm. Yeah, Pete. Yes, yeah, CeCe. What do you think about their performance well, I, last night? He, fe- he feels away because he had to do something last night that no head coach in the National Football League should have to do, which is coach effort. Mm. Like his offense had 21 total yards in the first half. The only first down that they were able to get that wasn't penalty aided in the first half came with about seven seconds to go in the half. It was an absolute embarrassment what Jordan Love and the Packers offense did. And you know what? We shouldn't be surprised because this is a young team that had an emotional comeback win against the New Orleans Saints four days earlier. And you know what they did all week long? They ate the cheese, as Bill Parcells used to say. They're reading all their press clippings. They're taking all the kudos. They're getting all the pat on, pats on the back right there in Green Bay. And they had a division rival come into their house and hand their hats to them. A division rival that kept them outside of the playoffs last year in a Week 18 matchup where the Lions had nothing to play for and the Packers had everything to play for. Mm-hmm. It's an embarrassment. I understand why Matt LaFleur is frustrated. You could sense it in the interview that they did right after halftime where he said, forget about the X's and O's. I just want to know who's going to fight. When you see something like that happen, it has to raise some alarms because that's just not what it should be from a leadership standpoint from your quarterback, and from your locker room. And, and that was the most disappointing part of what we saw about the Green Bay Packers last night. Forget about the X's and O's and schemes and all that stuff. They fell flat, and they didn't have the requisite energy that it takes to compete and win in this league. And conversely, I think it's so huge for the Detroit Lions that they are that team that will fight because historically they were not in this division. Last year it was the Vikings. The Packers have been the the class of that division for many, many years. In order to prove to not only your fan base but yourself that it actually is different, that this regime is different, this team is different, you have to beat those teams within your division, especially the ones like the Green Bay Packers who have been tormenting you for so long. So I thought it was such a big win for the Lions last night. Yeah, everything you guys are saying is obviously correct. 
correct. But I do have to take a step back with the Packers. I think sometimes we forget that even though Jordan Love is not a rookie, he's a first-time starter. Mm-hmm. There are going to be those growing pains. Last night was a growing pain kind of game, right? The comeback wins that he's had is not normal for a first-time starter, and he's done a good job with that. But I look at overall what we've seen from the Green Bay Packers as crazy as this sounds, is they are trending in the same direction to finish in the exact same spot as they did a year ago. Now, normally, CCU played 11 years in the NFL. If I tell you your team is going to be the exact same team a year from now with the same record, unless you're guaranteeing I'm the one seed, you ain't going to be happy. And I get that, right? (laughs) But if you're a Packers fan today, and obviously there are millions of Packer fans all over the country, one of the oldest teams in the league, that when you look at this team... I think you got to look at it and say, wait, if you're telling me we can hover around nine and eight, we can hover around a playoff spot with a first-time starter who's significantly younger than our previous quarterback, obviously Aaron Rodgers. I think the Greeny fans are aware of that guy and who that is. (laughs) That if we can end up in the same spot there and this is year one instead of year 16 of the development, you still have to feel good if you're a Packers fan. Yeah, it's year one as a starter for Jordan Love, but it's not his first year in the league. I think that's the difference, right? This Mm -hmm. is his fourth season, and from a leadership standpoint, he should be a lot further along than the typical first-year starting quarterback, and that's why I can't give him a pass for not being more of a leader and not having his offense, that unit, more prepared to compete. The intensity wasn't there, the effort wasn't there, the energy wasn't there, and he's got to be the one that's the bus driver when it comes to those things. He was that guy in the second half against the New Orleans Saints, which is a top 10 defense. I just don't understand four days later why he can't be that same guy and why they started slow. The drive that they had to open the second half, why couldn't you have that when your defense got a turnover on the first possession and gave you a point-blank scoring opportunity? You've got to take advantage of those situations, and last night he certainly didn't do that, which is why I'm disappointed. I was somebody that was bullish on Jordan Love through the first three weeks. He had a top-10 QBR, top-5 in passing touchdowns, but I feel like he took a step back last night. I get that his progress is going to be uneven at some times, but the mistakes are one thing. The energy, the effort, the intensity is another, and that's what's so alarming for me. It might not be his first year on the team, but it's the first year it's his team. And there's a difference. And I think it's only fair that we give him the grace to get acclimated to that. And Smalls, if his first year with it as his team can finish in the exact same spot as the last year with Rodgers as his team, that's still a good positive step despite the way that last night Look, Greedy is presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, we are in for Greeny today. Coming up, one NFL wide receiver is tired of all the trade talk involving his team. You'll hear from him next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit
deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Greenberg. Code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply reggie white who's a defensive end for the green bay packers says that the fire bombing of his church in knoxville tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him first there was one fire then there was another then there was another it wasn't just reggie's church that burnt down hundreds of churches burned in the 90s i think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit and that has to do with racism was this 1996 or 1956 30 for 30 podcast and antscape presents through the flames listen now wherever you get your podcasts Greeny, the podcast. Football is back, and I'm here to remind you that Vivid Seats has your back for all of your ticket needs. Not only is Vivid Seats the official ticketing partner of ESPN, they have 100% buyer guarantee. That's what they have, and they're the only ticket company that rewards you for buying. This football season, catch every pass, every tackle, and every heart-pounding play live and in person to get great deals on great seats. Download their app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Goff takes, turns, gives to Montgomery, straight up the gut. Michael's way in, touchdown Detroit Lions. David Montgomery powers it home. Man, we closed that game out with the offense, so it was a great team effort, man. Everybody had a hand in that one. Yes, it is Greeny here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, presented by Progressive Insurance, the unsportsmanlike crew. Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, me, Evan Cohen. You normally hear us 6, 8, 10, 8 Eastern time. Have the honor of filling in for Greeny today for the next couple of hours here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And joining us now, ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano to talk, obviously, about football. Dan, let's start after their win last night. Are the Lions, in your mind, the third best team in the NFC behind Philadelphia and San Francisco? Well, look, we've seen a lot from, obviously, Dallas is coming off a loss, but, I mean, a week ago you would have certainly put them in that group. So, look, I think the Lions belong in the conversation. I think that's what they've announced here with their early season performance. I mean, wins at, road wins at Arrowhead and Lambeau are no joke. And, and for a franchise that's really trying to establish itself after uh, decades and decades of not being a factor, I, I think they have the right to, to, to thump their chests here a little bit and consider themselves – in that conversation. So third best, I mean, they're a candidate. I just think one loss to Arizona shouldn't make us forget how good we thought Dallas was. Dan, staying in the NFC North, Justin Jefferson is tired of all the trade talk involving his team and his quarterback. From your perspective, how bad do things have to get in Minnesota before it's actually a real possibility of them trading Kirk Cousins? Yeah, first of all, thanks to Justin for watching uh, Get Up. That's, that's, that's nice to know that he's tuning in. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think th- you have to consider yourselves out of it, right? Now, if you're talking about Kirk Cousins, 
You're talking about a team in the Vikings that's a defending division champ that, that was, you know, was figuring to get back to the playoffs this year, probably not ready to give up. Now they lose to Carolina this week and they're 0-4. That puts them closer. But I, I don't think it gets them there. I mean, you know, you, you could tell me, Chris, better from you know, having played in the league. Like, at what point in the season does it feel hopeless? Is that ever early October? Or, or I mean, if, if, and then you have the complicating factor of, Cousins has a no-trade clause, right? He's a he's a rental player. You only have him for the rest of this season. What's the price? Does he want to go there? I, there's just a lot that still has to unfold. Justin is absolutely right that it's too soon to be jumping to conclusions like that. I think we're you know the trade deadline is the end of October, so we're you know we're certainly at least a mo- three weeks or so away from from taking any of this seriously. Well, we can still have fun with it, right, Dan? I mean, so here, here we go with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Right. I didn't say not to have fun with it. I said not to take it seriously. That's, that's a big difference. So uh, more likely to you to get traded in season, Kirk Cousins or Devontae Adams? Oh, that's a good one. I would say Adams because I, I think he's a guy that, I mean, we don't know that Cousins wants out of Minnesota. In fact, it's been indicated to us that he likes it there. Now, you know, he, he's not only signed through this year, so it may make sense. But Adams, to me, like he went to – Vegas to play with Derek Carr, who didn't, you know, he didn't even hold the job as the starter for for all of Adams' first season there. And if they are going to be bad, which I, I really, really think they are, uh, he's already kind of like he's he's a classy guy. Like he, he said in the offseason, like he he made his opinion clear uh, about how he disagreed with the direction, but he was willing to give it a chance. And he has like the way he's played, you cannot say that he's not all in. But, you know, I do think it gets to a point where he'll feel like he wants out. And, and as a result, I think he's somebody to watch at the trade deadline, probably more so than the quarterbacks. Dan, things obviously not going well for Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. What should their game plan be for Zach Wilson as they go to face the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, man. I, I just, I mean, to me, it's like you've got to find a way to keep it close with your defense, you've got to find a way to not turn the ball over and give the Chiefs extra possessions and short fields. Like, your only chance is to stay in it, you know, keep it ugly, and, uh, and, and maybe, you know, maybe have a chance to steal it with a big fourth quarter. I think that's it. But if you're, if you're coaching Zach Wilson in this game, I think your message is, you know, stick to the plan, stick to what, you, what you're comfortable with, what we're good at, and, uh, and please, please, please don't put the ball in harm's way because you're just giving it back to Patrick Mahomes and, and that's the worst thing we can do. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, Unsportsmanlike crew in for Greeny today. Normally, you can catch us 6 a to 10 a Eastern time here on ESPN Radio. Joined by Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider. Dan, I'm starting a team from scratch. You're the GM. You have your pick. Next five years, Tua or Josh Allen? I would take Josh Allen. I just think, and again, like, you know, what, what Miami's doing with Tua, what Mike McDaniel has built around him, the way he's using it, it's all perfect. But I think Allen is more like you can plug him in a variety of different situations and, and, and he can help you be excellent as opposed to having to sort of build the right thing for him, which they've, to their credit, done in Miami. I think just overall – more of the skill set you're looking for with uh, with Josh Allen. Dan, you mentioned the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. They've been Jekyll and Hyde this season. I mean, weeks one and weeks two, they looked like they could make a case for the best team in all of football. And then, of course, in the desert last week, they were on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I got to ask you, what version of the Cowboys do you expect to see against the New England Patriots on Sunday? I think we'll see uh, the, the defense play well again. I think that we'll see what the defense looked like the first two weeks. 
uh, and I think they'll, they'll terrorize Mac Jones, and I think that's how they'll win the game. Because New England plays good defense itself, and I think it's going to be a tough week for the Cowboys' offense to get right. I think if, the, if you're the Cowboys' offense this week, you're hoping for a result similar to what you had against you know, the Giants in the rain or the Jets with that, with that good defense. Uh, you know, Micah Parsons and, and company can, can help you win the game protect the ball and score just enough points. But yeah, I, I do expect a return to that dominant defense. Dan, the Broncos and the Bears is kind of the embattled quarterbacks bowl. I don't really know what to title this this game between these two teams, but which quarterback do you have more faith in turning it around this season? Russell Wilson or Justin Fields? I think it's Russell Wilson and that's, you know, that's damning with faint praise. I mean, like he's, you know, he's played a little bit better this year than what we saw from him last year. Uh, the Broncos have bigger problems at the moment than him. Fields just looks to me like he just hasn't made any progress, and that's very, very alarming. Uh, you know, they could revert back to what they did second half of last year and, and, you know, make him a runner and have him make those incredible plays with his legs. But, you know, it's important to remember that while he was doing all that and winning everybody their fantasy matchups, the Bears were losing all their games. And so the Bears obviously feel like he needs to progress as a passer in order for them to get where they want to go as a team. And, and so far this year, it does not look like he has, and that's why I think you have to trust Russell Wilson a little bit more. Dan, let's finish with this. Take location out for a second. When you get an assignment to cover a team, which team for you is the most exciting based on the stories you can tell about them? In other words, which team is the most interesting team in the league for you relative to telling stories about them? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Let me think. Um, that's interesting. I, I feel like over the past couple of years, the Packers have kind of been that because of the Aaron Rodgers saga and now with, you know, switching to Jordan Love. I think there's been a, there's been a lot going on there. Uh, geez, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I'd have to think about that one. You have to get, have me back on next week and I'll have a good answer. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think you gave a good, you gave a great answer because if you think about the Packers stories over the last couple yeah. of years, I mean, we're talking about the odd nature. And I think it was year 16 for Rogers last year, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 17, 17, 17 for Rogers last year. So his year 17 is actually going to probably look the same as Jordan Love's year one. And that story in itself is so interesting, even though I know it's not his first year in the league, but year one as a starter, because rightfully so, CeCe is beating up on the Packers from last night. But at the end result, the story to be told about the Packers, Dan, they're probably going to finish in the exact same spot as they did a year ago. Yeah, they could. I mean, it's a very different setup here because of, you know, you know, I was, last year it was Aaron Rodgers with a very young group on offense. Now it's a very young quarterback with a very young group on offense. And, and I think you see the growing pains. Like, they couldn't get the offense. I was there Sunday against when they were playing New Orleans. They couldn't get the offense going. And then they pull one, you know, out of nowhere, scoring 18 points in the final 11 minutes uh, to come back and beat the Saints. And then last night they couldn't get it going, and they were up against, you know, what turned out to be a tougher, you know, opponent in this particular matchup. So I think you're going to see the ups and the downs with Jordan Love, and I think it's going to be interesting to follow. But I do believe that anybody who thought it was going to be seamless going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love uh, obviously now I think has a, a sense that it, it, that's just sort of not how this works. Dan, great job as always. We appreciate the help. Thank you. Thank you. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider here on Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes building easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. You know, one of the other things that has been a hot topic around the NFL um, is this tush push, okay? <laughs> it is. I mean, it's titled that way. You have to consider it that way, and you have to have serious conversations about the tush push. I don't know if I could be adult enough to have this conversation. 
What would you like to, before we get to the sound on this, from Jack Del Rio, the mm. commander's defensive coordinator, I see the way CC's looking at me. <laughs> what would you like to title the play that we have where the running backs push the quarterback into the end zone and into their offensive line that would be better than the tush push? I don't know what else you would call it. I don't, I don't get the alternative because the tush push is so descriptive. Like, it is telling you exactly what's happening, but it feels like the perfect name for the play. The yeah, butt putt. When you say tush push, you what get the you visual. What like you're putting a... Uh, uh, okay. What did you, I you guys say? Did you say butt putt? I'm trying to come up with another name. Uh, we might have to go down the hall to HR because I am just... Very uncomfortable right now sitting next to Evan. Well, scoot over towards okay, me. It's a safe we go. space Let me over slide here. a little bit. Okay. <laughs> what, why can't we just call it the bush push from, a, you know, because that, that's what it's kind of known as from the original play back in college. More, yeah, pe- that's more, right. that's more right. people recognize it as the bush push than I don't know why we all of a sudden start calling it the tush push. You can't figure that out, Bubba? Why don't we just call it the Bush push? So that's what everyone I know knows. It's off of Reggie Bush. We got to be specific on that one, right? Yeah, off the Reggie Bush play with Matt Liner. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's what it's known as. It's. I'd rather call it the Bush push than the Tush push. I mean, e- either one is, is a little bit dicey. <laughs> I'm just saying, Bubs. I don't know. I think Bush push is better than Who Tush push. Who made you more uncomfortable, me or Bubba? I, I mean, the fact that Bubba is so matter of fact about calling it the Bush push, and I just, I don't know. I think Bush okay. is better than Tush. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where do, we, more. where do we go after that? How do we I, have, I have no how words. do we save the segment? I have I There's have a better no chance of the here. Bears saving their season than us saving the Guys, segment. Guys, it's There's been a nice filling in for Greeny. It's our last day. It's our last day filling in for Greeny. Our Jack show is on Sportsmanlike. Yeah. This is what you expect right. from us. Right. So we we can we can actually say it because of the name of the show, right? Yeah. So there you go. All right. So Jack Del Rio is a defensive <laughs> coordinator for the Commanders. They're playing the Eagles this week, and so he's prepping himself for what they have mastered. Which is the tush push? Let's take a listen to what Del Rio had to say there, Deco. Well, it's not being officiated as illegal, so we just have to prepare for it. I mean, that's I I would personally like to see it eliminated, not just because they run it better than anybody, although they do run it better than anybody, but um, I, I I don't think that's a football play. I think it's a, a nice rugby play, and um, it's not what we're looking for in football, but. Until it's outlawed, uh, we'll prepare for it and get ready to you know, do our best to stop. Wait a second. For those watching on the ESPN app, and that was uh, Jack Del Rio. Uh, Smalls, can you explain what just happened with Mike there? Uh, Mikey C., also known as Outsider Mike, huge celebrity in the ESPN universe. Yeah, I got a big nose. Go no, on. no, no. He just leaned in to the camera shot as we were listening to the dulcet tones of Jack Del Rio there. Mikey C. Just I'm Italian. I got a, a big little nose. bit more camera. What just happened? You didn't realize we were on television? Well, I, I don't know where this camera is. Where is it behind me, over my shoulder? It's moving all over the place. <laughs> you don't know. There's two cameras in the room. <laughs> it's not hard to find them. He literally, so we're showing on the, on the app side, uh, for people who are watching, we're showing like the audio levels moving because we're playing an audio clip. And Mikey C just puts his entire face into the camera in an extreme close-up there. Wow, that was amazing. So this has become a thing. CeCe, when we brought this up on Unsportsmanlike, which people can listen back to our podcast on the ESPN app, earlier this week, you kind of looked at it as like, what's the big deal? Why are we making a big deal about that? Yeah. Since then, you've thought about it more. We've discussed it more. Now NFL people are commenting on it that are in the league. That, that you just had a defensive coordinator say that pushing a quarterback into the end zone should be illegal and outlawed. Yeah, the reason why I didn't jump out the window when we had the conversation on Monday and Tuesday is because 
all of the rules in the NFL have been slanted toward the offense, and I just didn't think that the competition committee would pivot from their decision they made this offseason not to recommend this to a vote for the owners. Mm -hmm. I thought they would just stay with it because fans are showing up to the stadiums to see more offense. If you have a play that's near 100% when it comes to short yardage and goal line for the offense to convert and keep drives alive and present opportunities for points, the NFL wants to be about it. But then taking a deeper look at it, uh, going a little bit further under the surface, you think about some of the rules that the NFL has implemented for player safety, particularly when it comes to the PAT uh, field goal block situation with not allowing defensive linemen to be pushed through the line of scrimmage, through the offensive line to try to block the kick. That was outlawed for player safety about a decade ago in the league. There are a lot of similarities to defenses being able to do that on PATs and field goals and what offenses are doing in these short yardage situations. So if you're saying that you had to get rid of one for player safety, then it feels like you have to get rid of the other one. And in this instance, we're talking about the tush push. Do you think that a, a, <laughs> what? now I'm laughing because he's so serious in this instance, we're talking about the tush push. And then that's the – it's not like the crackback block. That's the or, button on it, right? The button on it is the tush push. The tush I push. Know, yes. 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 Go ahead, Small. Sorry. You think the guys in the huddle laugh when they know that this is what they're going to do? The, I'm the sure they don't the, call it that in the huddle, I'm though. just saying, they know it's the tush push. Yeah. Uh, you don't think so? No. This you is, don't think this the is... commander's defense saying, guys, guys, be ready. They got the tush push coming up. Tush push. No, it's quarterback sneak. And they understand that the quarterback is going to be pushed by somebody in the backfield on said play. They're so, not calling it. The, I promise you the Eagles ain't calling it the tush push. I promise you the commanders ain't going to call it the tush push. Get ready for it this weekend. All right. We got to dive in and find out about that. I, we got to talk to some I don't, people I don't about think we that. need to find out. Call some of your ex-teammates that are still playing. I don't think playing. we need to know we about know. what people feel about the tush push. I think we're good. I think so we're good. here's why I do think it's going to ultimately actually be outlawed. For two reasons. One, CC gave you the angle on the player safety and the possibility of player injuries off of that. The second one is one in which you look at the extra point years ago when they pushed it back. What the NFL does not like is certainty. They want as many variables as possible to have the viewer and fan experience sitting on the edge of their seat as much as possible. Every moment of every game having some level of variable and gray area. The extra point became a certainty. If this becomes a certainty, the tush push, it is going to be something that they're going to outlaw because they'd rather it as a straight quarterback sneak or just a straight handoff. And I think the evolution of the tush push, which that in itself is, again, weird to say, but the evolution <laughs> of the tush push will probably become, hypothetically, the Titans line up Derrick Henry under center and let him actually play quarterback and have linemen like Canty come in from behind him and push him into the end zone. But what You're going to have a but- bigger tush to push. But what happens on the defensive side of the ball, too? I mean, this you is have a other conversation. Tushes. Exactly. You're talking about linebackers and safeties coming up to push the defensive line. And again, creating a, a potential scrum and a player safety issue. So I think the NFL is going to have to revisit this because of the volume on this conversation being turned up with more offenses utilizing it in short yardage and goal line. But the smaller the tush, the harder it is to push. So if you have a Derrick Henry tush, there's more room to push. And if you have other tushes coming at it, there's a lot of tushes. So you want a big tush for the push. Don't you think it's better that way? Okay. (laughs) Coming up, can Zach Wilson be fixed? One ESPN analyst thinks it's possible. That's next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. 
based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, presented by Progressive Insurance. The Unsportsmanlike crew in today, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. You can hear us each and every Monday through Friday, 6A to 10A Eastern time here on ESPN Radio, coming off of a Thursday night football game, which the Lions beat up on the Packers 34-20. And as we get ready for a big game on Sunday night football, as Taylor Swift and the Chiefs take on uh, (laughs) Zach Wilson and the Jets, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst on Get Up on Thursday with Greeny, 8A to 10A Eastern on ESPN on the television side, was asked about whether or not Zach Wilson, Jets quarterback, could be fixed. Let's take a listen to what Dan had to say. They got 14 days to fix it. Season's on the line. They got to take the handcuffs off. We got to stop babying Zach Wilson. If you go post-game last week, him and Babu Shuzin are talking, who's the play-by-play guy, and Zach says, well, my job is to take care of the football and then try and make a play on third down. No, it's not. We have to stop treating this young man like he's absolutely not talented at all. I'm not telling everybody he's Patrick Mahomes. What I'm telling everybody is they have made him so scared to go play football and to go play quarterback and trust his eyes and trust his instincts that everyone's going, he stinks. No, he doesn't. He's just been controlled in a way where he's scared to throw the ball and he's scared to make mistakes. And they got to stop handcuffing him and babying him. He stinks. Well, I don't know what the hell Dan Orlovsky is talking about. Zach Wilson is awful. Quite literally, since he's coming to the league, he's got the lowest QBR of any quarterback that's qualified or eligible for a QBR. I don't understand why we're trying to make excuses for him. Listen, Zach Wilson might get it turned around, but that ain't going to happen with the New York Jets. If it were, we would have seen flashes of it by now. Everybody wants to point to Geno Smith and him having a Pro Bowl season last year, a late career renaissance. Geno did that in Seattle. He didn't do that with the New York Jets. It's over for him. You saw the guys on that team on the sideline against the Patriots. Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard talking, and they saying, Bruck can't throw. Michael Carter blowing up on the sideline. It is over for Zach Wilson in New York. And if Rob Sala and Joe Douglas keep trotting him out there, even after they continue to lose games or they continue to get embarrassed, like what we anticipate happening on Sunday night, they're going to lose the other 52 guys in that locker room. I understand what Dan's saying, that maybe if you give him the keys to the car, let him get on the highway, that he'll get a little bit more confidence, that maybe the coaching staff holding him back has been contributing to what we're seeing. But you're not going to give somebody the keys to the car and let them go on the highway when they keep running into parked cars in a parking lot. And that's what we're seeing with Zach Wilson. I don't know why if I'm the coaching staff, I would want to adjust the game plan and give him more runway when what we've done, I haven't seen a lot from him. So after watching every snap he played last Sunday against the Pats, and I am a Pats fan, so I'm watching from that point of view, but I'm also looking at it and I'm saying to myself, they are petrified of him doing anything And this is going to sound crazy, especially to all the Greeny fans listening and knowing about Greeny's love and commitment to the Jets. I actually believe that Zach Wilson did his job last week. I think his job was a poor one, though. I think that his employers gave him a job that he should not have been doing. And the job was make sure that every single drive finishes with a kick, which means a punt, a field goal, or an extra point. 
as long as you don't turn the ball over on downs or turn it over in general, you have done your job. And I think what Dan is saying there, Orlovsky is saying, is you have to let him be the guy that was the number two overall pick in the draft. You have to allow him to be the guy that you drafted number two overall and the reason why. Now, CeCe's point is fair. Why would you, based on what you've seen, when he's tried to be that, that guy? That's why I do put this on the coaching a little bit as well. I don't put it just on Zach Wilson. I don't know that there's a happy medium here because Zach Wilson probably needs to be in an offense that's just flinging it. The problem is with this team and this coaching staff, when he's flinging it, it goes to the other team. That's the problem. So I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't know if you're supposed to break out the 1930s and 40s offense or an Army football offense and run a wishbone with a double, triple tight end jumbo set near the goal line. I don't know how you get out of it. It's over. It's absolutely over. The Jets are finished. I don't believe they're going to go out there and get Kirk Cousins, despite what we've all suggested. It's not Even if they do, it's not going to happen this weekend, and they're going to lose in front of Taylor Swift and everybody to the Chiefs, and they're going to be 1-3. and three. And then after that, what are you going to do? You're better off going into tank mode than you are going out and acquiring Kirk Cousins right Here's now. what I don't understand about the people that are caping for Zach Wilson. What does the play call have to do with the guy taking a safety in a three-point ball game in the fourth quarter? I, I don't understand that. Like, you have to have more awareness in the shadow of your own goal line. And too often we're talking about Zach making bonehead plays like that. And that's why the guys in that locker room know that this guy doesn't give us a chance to win games. Sometimes you got to make change for the sake of change. And people are saying, well, what's Tim Boyle going to be? Or what's Trevor Simeon going to be? You know what the answer is? Not Zach Wilson. And right now, that's good enough for the other guys in that locker room. They'll roll with that because as Zach continues to struggle, the rest of the guys in that locker room, they go back to Zach Wilson's struggles last year and the things that he said in post-game press conferences after multiple turnover games that became problematic. Things that led to the rest of his teammates wearing T-shirts of the damn backup quarterback. I mean, if you're Rob Sala, you got to hold this dude accountable. You can't hold everybody else accountable in the locker room and then treat Zach with a different standard. You just can't do it. At this point, you got to try to make sure that you don't lose the ear and lose the respect of the rest of the team for the sake of Zach Wilson's feelings or his confidence overall. The dude ain't it. He ain't the answer. He's not going to pull out of this nosedive. They have got to find another option for quarterback for the time being, even if that option is not as talented as Zach. So there's always eyes on the New York Jets, especially this season. But can you imagine the way you would feel in the locker room if what we have been seeing from the Jets is what we see versus Kansas City when you're going up against the standard of the NFL and the defending champs, and we know all eyes in the world are going to be on this game because Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift is going to be there. If they get embarrassed on this type of a platform versus this opponent, I wonder if maybe those conversations shift internally. Fair. I'll also ask another follow-up on this. Canty, you are obviously very certain about Zach Wilson. Are you putting this at 100% level of certainty he will never be a good quarterback, or are you leaving an ounce of uncertainty at 99%? No, 100% certainty he won't be a good quarterback with the Jets. That's my point. He can be a good quarterback somewhere else, but the the locker room, the fan base, they've run out of patience with Zach Wilson. I don't give a damn what Aaron Rodgers is talking about in terms of not helping because you're booing and you're talking all of this stuff about getting rid of Zach. Zach is not it. He's had three years. Bill Parcells used to say it all the time. I give a guy three years to show me what he's got. In that third year, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a determination. Haven't we seen enough of Zach Wilson with gang green to make a determination that he's not it? Like, he might not be the source of all the problems with the Jets, but he damn sure ain't the solution. And that's a problem in and of itself. So I think they've got to move off of Zach for the sake of change, hold him accountable, 
And I think that allows the head coach and the general manager to maintain some degree of credibility and respect amongst the other players in that organization. They already made the decision. That's why they got Aaron Rodgers. They already determined that they knew what they needed to know about Zach Wilson. No question. No question. But they still could do a better job with him than they've done. And now he's done as a result of this. A reminder, tune in for college football action tomorrow as Texas A&M battles Arkansas, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 1130 a.m. Eastern time here on ESPN Radio and here on the ESPN app as well. Coming up. The Lions routed the Packers last night on Thursday Night Football. Are they the third best team in the NFC? That's next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.